0: Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Creation Innovation. Today we have Ginger King and she is going to tell us about her journey from makeup artist to being a cosmetic chemist. So, I mean, I have a little bit of an idea of what that might be, mean, but welcome. Thanks for being here. you for having me. Can you tell us about what, a cosmetic chemist is for those listening that don't know what that is. Sure.
1: I'm sure you all use some sort of creams and lotions, right? Even mm-hmm. shampoos and conditioners. Do you know who are the people who's making them? Cosmetic chemist.
0: Okay. And so, I mean, I know for our industry, specifically with fertility, no, having clean products and knowing what's in them and all of that good stuff is really important because we want to, eliminate these hormone disruptors and whatnot what is something from a chemist perspective that they are looking for now i mean i know there's like so much right clean products and vegan and all the things what matters most per se or as a consumer what do you think we should be looking out for
1: what matters most is actually the performance if the product doesn't work and Mm. it claims it's to be clean and vegan it doesn't really mean anything you might as well not use anything and there is really no legal definition of clean clean is something that retailers they push forward to it and they do have extensive list of what their clean standard is basically that is ingredients if they are potentially harmful to the workers on making the products or to the environment, they are not considered clean. In cosmetics, there are regulations on what ingredients you can use, what ingredients you you cannot use. And most of the people we do abide to the rules because it's regulated, but there are ingredients like, um, it may not be good when the workers, the technicians using the material in making the product, it may cause some film, and so it will consider as not clean. So it's really, it's not toxic to people or environment. We consider it clean, but it's not a legally defined uh, term.
0: Okay. So I guess, again, back to being the consumer, what should we look out for then if that really isn't relevant? I know there's a few lists that, um, is it the FDA that puts out or I'm not sure who actually publishes uh, those lists. Okay. It's really driven by retailers. Uh, if you want a
1: really good list, Cradle Beauty has their dirty list. It's the most extensive list that we have ever seen in the industry. So if you're like a really, really cautious on what you use, you can look at their list. And of course, it's a clean beauty retailer. So if you are truly, truly gung-ho about clean beauty, um, that you can buy in- products from their store. And personally, I am a consumer too, in addition to a cosmetic chemist. There are only a few ingredients that I would not consider using it, but it does not mean it's not legal. Okay, Okay. for example, parabens is like a hot debate because most of the chemists like parabens, but because there are some studies out there showing parabens is potential carcinogen in the like a red study. So people shy away from parabens. And the reason for me not using paraben is not so much because it is potentially carcinogenic in an animal study, but rather because I'm Asian and Asian have a more sensitive skin. And we actually, we are sensitive to parabens because when we use a product, it will have a like stinging sensation on us. And this is the reason why I choose not to. So the general rule of thumb is no matter if it's clean or not, you really need to look at the performance. Yeah. And if it's, put out by a quality manufacturer, meaning um if it's with a bigger company or companies that will tell you this is clinically tested, is you know, you you kind of need to feel of the brand and use the product. And if you feel it's efficacious, and um, that's all you really need to care because it's still under regulation. FDA does check upon, you know, what kind of ingredients the um, uh, products are using
0: it's funny when you say about if it actually works, there's, I don't think it's really in line with beauty, but the deodorants, I feel like there's, we're always on a quest to find a good deodorant that's natural, that works. And I have still yet to find one that works. And I unfortunately always go back to the, you know, what is it? The clinical strength, whatever I use secret, I think because it works. And that's the unfortunate part, is going through the the testing of all these products. And I feel like you spend a lot of money just trying to figure out what is working and what isn't working. And to your point for your Asian skin, what works for one person might not work for the next. So is it really just a matter of buying all the things and testing them out yourself? Or is there an easier, more effective way to go about doing that?
1: there are a lot of influencers and there are a lot of people asking me to do like videos to show what people to buy however something goes to like whatever fits me may not fit you right so it's really trial and error and you know if you like you are a clean beauty uh lover which actually i have my own brand my brand is clean beauty vegan beauty you will be in tune of what ingredients that you want or you don't want so when you select it, when you're already reading the ingredient, Let me tell you something. Ingredient list doesn't really tell you everything. Ingredient list is really telling you half of the story. Because you can have two products with the same identical ingredient list, the percentage of ingredients they use may, may be different. So it's really just half of the story. So then, And is no, it no,
0: similar to food or whatnot, where the first ingredient is the most ingredient, uh but it still isn't telling you the percentage of what that is. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your specific line again, because most of our audience is on this track of being very healthy and watching what's going into our bodies and on our skin. And some people know, some people don't know, but that our skin is really the, the most most important part that we need to be aware of of what is being absorbed there right so tell us about your products and how they differ maybe from some of the other ones
1: okay so my brand name is called fan love beauty and uh the inspiration fan love beauty yes f-a-n-l-o-v-e fan love you know, like a super fan, fan love beauty. Okay. Because I was a, uh, I am still a super fan of my personal mentor, Shark Tank's Damon John. And we were at the meeting one time. He took out a lip balm and used it in front of me. I was like, Damon, if it's something that's so close to you, it's in your pocket, on your lips, it has to be mine. Because he actually had some cancer before. He's not all cured. But you think about it lip balm is the only beauty product that can be used by men, women, or even kids. Mm-hmm. And that's the only product can be ingested. So the choice becomes really, really critical. I look at what he was using, I was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> what, what you are using. And if you look at the landscape of what's out there, I guarantee you, you pull out any lip balm, you're gonna see three ingredients, petrolatum, lanolin, or beeswax, or all, all of them, okay? Petrolatum, unless it's USP gray, which is super purified, it's from petrochemicals. It can have uh, residual carcinogenic ingredients in there. Lanolin is from the wool grease, which long-term use, it can have dermatitis. You can have an re- uh, allergic reaction to it. Beeswax, what's wrong with beeswax? It's natural, right? Where do you get beeswax from? You get it from the bee where beef flips these live. So how do you like your house to be messed up for human vanity? So this is not considered as uh cruelty-free because it is not vegan. So my lip balm has none of these three undesirable ingredients. They're all legal. You can use them, but they are not desirable in my standard. And in addition, I have superfoods like avocado, mango, coconut, and Clinically proven ingredient, C asparagus, that is proven to boost hydration by up to 6,000% over 28 days. So it gives you immediate hydration and also long-term moisturization. So that sets apart the lip balm that uh, I have. And oh, because- I need that because
0: I'm- I'm- I feel like I'm chronically, my lips are always chapped. Always, always, no matter what I put on, it just doesn't seem to help. Yeah. And because Stim Zhang
1: is a motivational speaker, so I call it the stage balm for lips. So whenever you speak, you put the lip balm on. It actually boosts your confidence because it's built for a shark.
0: So it's like it magic lip balm. Great. So tell us again, were the ingredients that you just listed, the mango, the coconut, etc., that's in the lip balm or that's in all your products? It's in the lip balm, but uh, also okay. it's extending to
1: all the other products too. I also have like a flexi oil, flexi oil contains uh, uh natural omega three and six and help with the chap lips.
0: Okay, and obviously that all because all of that is natural. You mentioned for children too that that's healthy and safe for kids to use because I know my kids they'll pick up any chapstick they can find and put it on just cuz they think it's fun and they want to do that, you know. And of course, inevitably they end up eating it, which I'm like, "You cannot eat that." <laughs> so, this sounds like not only is it healthy for them to to wear, but also if they ingest it everything is okay for them too in their little bodies. Yes, it's all
1: full of superfoods, but because it's cosmetic, I cannot
0: really say you can eat it. Of course. (laughs) But everything is edible. Yes. Yes. Hopefully they will grow out of this phase of putting it in their mouth. But okay, so that's the lip balm. Tell us more about what else you have.
1: Well, I have a hand veil. The hand veil, what it does is, um, this was inspired by Steve Harvey because there was one time at the 10 Growth Con, he said he always put on a hand veil, a hand cream before he give a talk. Because when you are a speaker, you talk with your hand, it kind of help you with your confidence. But the camera also zoom in on your hand. So your hands must look nice. And the reason why I call the hand veil, is to distinguish from the heavier hand cream, because when you're holding a microphone, you don't want it to slip slip. through your hands. So it's a very lightweight uh, lotion, but it protected your skin. Okay.
0: And is there any SPF in any of the products that you use? No, I was intentionally not
1: to put SPF in there, although SPF is important because I built my brand, the inspiration started with the speaker. What do speakers speak? Mostly indoors. And the reason why I don't have SPF is also because there are so many controversies out there, like how all the chemical sunscreens are not good. So only physical sunscreens are good, you know, it's debatable. But because uh, Damon Jung is African-American, if I would give him a lip balm with uh, titanium dioxide, zinc oxide, it's going to turn his lip like uh, grayish. Right. Because right. They are white. And this is the reason why I don't put in there. Gotcha. And it's inclusivity as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the sunscreens, I say to everyone, my kids included, is if there's nothing else that you do each day, it's sunscreen, whether the sun is shining or not. and. Just like you said, it's one of those things that it's really not as easy as I would like to find something that you feel good about putting on your skin every day. That it's safe, um, and we know there's studies that show too, as you were saying, with what's going on your lips, with what's going on your neck, and everything for your thyroid and all of that. So it really is so important to kind of dive into what products you're using overall and how that can affect any aspect of your body, of course, in relation to fertility, but also everything. So how did you get into, you know, deciding to do this on your own? That's quite a jump from being a makeup artist to thinking I'm gonna go do this myself. Tell us a little bit about that story. Okay, so I
1: actually grew up in beauty. My mom started the first, she said, the boutique in Taiwan back in the 60s. But I never realized the influence until later on. When I came to America, I wanted to become a makeup artist because I saw the transformation of how people perceive you can boost your confidence when you have makeup on. However, because I'm Asian, it's like, you have to go to college. If you don't get a PhD, at least get a master's degree. So I was like, fine, I will major in chemistry and learn how to make cosmetics mm-hmm. so I can be a beauty creator, than a beauty applicator. So that's how I started. And I have been into every single segment of beauty. i done retail, i done research development in a big company, Fortune 500. I've done small companies. And in the last 10 years, I've been helping other people to build their own beauty brand. Mm-hmm. From concept to launch, including formulation. And you're talking about fertility. I actually describe the process as really like having a baby. Mm-hmm. Because how you do how you create a beauty brand, you basically you can do three ways. One is you adopt adopt a child, you can go in through a private label, or you can do co-parenting, which is working with a contract manufacturer. Or you can use a surrogate mom, which is using a consultant like myself. And um, in 2020, because of the uh, the event that I had with Damon at uh, the meeting, and that's what propelled me to say, I should also do my own brand because I have so many, so many customers asking me, Ginger, you have been helping me to build my own brand, having my own product. But you know what? How to sell the product, you know, what's happened after lunch, how you nurture that baby is actually more important right. and more harder. So in order for me to walk the talk, to understand what kind of the pain that the brain owners go through, I was like, fine, I'll do a brain myself. And that's how everything comes. So I still doing my consulting. Consulting is my uh, bread and butter, but I have this family of beauty It's more like experimental case. So I can also help my consulting clients.
0: Great. Yeah, I think so many people have that that situation where they have an idea in their head of maybe I'm going to start a business doing xyz but to your point once they start that then it's how do I actually make money doing this right how do I bring in the customers and I think that's such an important aspect to continue to consult or coach or whatever it is that you're helping people through because really it's we want to see them successful in it right it does it doesn't mean anything if you have uh a product line that's sitting behind you that nobody buys, right? Which I've seen so many times when I've gone into estheticians or whatnot. And I feel like a lot of people go and start their own lines, but they don't know how to get it off the ground, you know? So what is some advice that you have for people that are listening that maybe in that situation, whether it's a service-based business or product, um, how do they actually start making money by that? Well, before you have
1: your building line, you actually need to think about how are you going to exit already? Because you need to start with an ending mind. You need to know your why. You need to have very strong emotional why. A lot of people, they want to start your, their own brand because they lost their job or because they just say, I'm passionate about beauty. But they don't really have an emotional why that tied to it. You know, if people say, I want money. But if you, own, you uh, win a lotto, are you gonna still going to pursue your dream or not? So mm-hmm. you need to find out your emotional why that's going to prepare you to go through. You need to know your exit because everybody dies. So what are you going to do with your beauty brand? You say you're going to leave a legacy, but your kids may not want to inherit what you have. So you really need to think through every single step. And a lot of people say, oh, I just want to sell on my own website. But think again, what if Target, Sephora, Ulta knocking on your door? Are you going to say no? But if you don't have your pricing set right, you know, retailers take 60% of your margin. Every time you sell, you may be losing your money. So you really need to start with an ending mind
0: interesting because i think most people don't think about that right when you to hear you say the exit first it's it seems almost backwards right i'm just starting why would i think about the exit and all of those are really great points because especially in this product base that you're just talking about that's very unique in the sense that you know, somebody taking the percentage versus if you're a service-based, you, it's a little bit different unless you sign up for different um, affiliates and whatnot in that regard. But, and as far as marketing itself, do you find that it's one way or another that's better than the next, or is it across all platforms, all things, ads, et cetera, f- for especially what you do specifically with beauty products?
1: When it comes to marketing, especially beauty product, I don't know if you notice, it seems like every beauty owner's only job is to be on Instagram, on TikTok. That's probably Mm -hmm. the only thing they do. Because if you don't push your own product, who's going to be pushing yours? Yes, they are influencers, but you know what? Nothing is more authentic when you are out there pushing yourself. Facebook ads, they do work, but they are very, very expensive.
0: And I think it's, it's so amazing now that we have that tool of social media that's free to be able to get your brand out there right you don't have to be having some extraordinary like payment for marketing when you really just kind of grassroot yourself and get out and show your show your own results really right and show the people that are around you friends and family that are using it and i think that's always I know as a consumer for those things online too, it really does. The things I've bought from influencers, just because I'm like, oh, that looks good or whatnot. It really does make a difference. And it's so cool that we have that avenue now that we didn't before. Mm -hmm. Where can people find your products? Fanlovebeauty.com. Okay, fanlovebeauty.com. And are you on Instagram and TikTok as well? yes so all my all my social
1: media handles often love beauty
0: amazing well thank you so much for being here today ginger it was so great to talk to you and educate people on products and what's in them and the awareness of knowing what they're putting on their body and how it can affect them so thank you so much thank you elizabeth thank you so much for listening to this episode of the creation innovation podcast Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the creation innovation podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.